Konečně jsem byl vyslechnut v České republice. I have finally been heard in the Czech Republic. That was a little bit of a remix there. I have, I have, I have, I have, I have finally been heard in the Czech Republic. I have finally been heard. That sounds like a nut house here. I have finally been heard in the Czech Republic, which is one of my nationalities. As you know, you've been watching, you've been listening to the show. You've been watching your phone, listening to the show. If you want to go that route and be a complete lunatic about it, that's fine by me. So coolness, coolness. It is Dapper Dividends. I am your host, Russ. This is number 5858 already. 58. It is almost Halloween 27 days in, I am sober, and it sober October has almost come to an end, and it really hasn't been that bad. There really hasn't been anything different, as I said. I haven't gained weight. I haven't lost weight. I haven't slept better or worse. There has just been no noticeable difference, so I guess that I am in the clear to resume my regularly scheduled drinking activities and as I do, it it doesn't, that sounds bad, but it's really not. What I do is at the end of the night, I have a couple drinks We while the kids are getting older, but we put the kids to bed and the wife and I have a bevy of shows that we watch. And when we do, we'll usually have a drink or two and sometimes maybe, maybe a shot. <laughs> I, I understand some people might say that's a lot, but it's really not. I read a report some time ago that said, uh, a glass of wine or two beers a day is average and normal and fine and could have some benefit. I've never had a DUI and uh, I'm not making special pleading here, but as I've covered before, it's just something I enjoy, something that enhances what I do. And that's why I'm not going to stop because my father-in-law who really doesn't drink uh, basically said, why well, why would you start drinking again? Well, because I like it. I enjoy the flavor. I enjoy the taste. Uh, I like the edge that it takes off. It's a social lubricant. It has not had any deleterious, deleterious, I meant to say, <laughs> deleterious effects on my life. So I do it. It's something I enjoy spending my money on, and it accentuates a good time that I'm having, or it is a crutch to get through a rather boring time that that as well. One thing I wanted to touch on really quick here, well, maybe it won't be so quick. There was, for the second time in as many weeks, I have on Twitter received a direct message from somebody that wants me to invest with them because they trade Bitcoin. I guess as it goes, from what I understand, I would send them money and I couldn't find the, I deleted the message they sent me stupidly. I can't talk about it now, but from what I remember, I would send them money and it was just some crazy gain, you know, 900% gain in a week or two weeks, guaranteed money. I send them minimum $250 and then they'll trade Bitcoin for me. And then whenever I want to pull my money out, they will give me my money back. But like he said, the, the gentleman in the picture said that they have statements and it's all on the website and it's all on the up and up. But it, it just, it, I flashed back and I remembered Bernie Madoff, the, the famous Bernie Madoff, the Ponzi scheme. And that is exactly what it reminded me of. I don't know if, if any of you remember that, 
but I did because I've been around for a minute and I was interested in, I was interested when the whole Bernie Madoff thing happened. What was that about a dozen years ago, right? Right during the financial crisis, that was the catalyst for why he had to, the jig was up. That was why he got caught. That was why he couldn't pay people out because too many people wanted their money back because the market was collapsing and he didn't have any money. And so it goes that the whole house of cards came down. So there was a book that I read back in the day coming out of this, and it was called How to Smell a Rat by Ken Fisher. Really interesting. I had to find a synopsis on it again because I had gotten it from the library. And this is something that you should be aware of. And I pieced together what he had talked about from what I could find. Let's just say I came across a copy of the book on the internet and we'll leave it at that. So first of all, these are the top five things, according to Ken Fisher, of how you can smell a rat and somebody that is probably trying to take your money in a Ponzi scheme type situation. The first one, which is 100% of the time, it always happens, is your advisor has custody of your assets. They want you to send your money to them. They will handle your money and invest your money for you. So they control the quote unquote stocks, options, whatever it is, they control your money and all the assets that you have with them. They are in sole control of all of it. Where is if you had an advisor that was trading stocks for you, so I could have a brokerage account and they would have access to that. And what they would be able to do is trade stocks, but they would not be able to put their hand in the cookie jar, so to speak. They would not be able to transfer any funds to themselves. They could just buy and sell shares, and I would pay them the commission for that outside of it. So the assets are held in a third-party account. Now, from what I remember, Bernie Madoff had something like Bernie Madoff or Madoff Securities it was something of that ilk where it was a dummy corporation. It was uh, he had full control of the the custodial of the custodian. So people deposited their money in that, and he was able to get it. It was basically just giving him the money. So first and foremost is the rats. The rats. They want and they will have custody of your assets. Check please. Check mark on the Bitcoin person that contacted me, I would send my money to them and they would be in full control of my money and they would use my money to buy and sell Bitcoin. Secondly, the stated returns are consistently great, almost too good to be true. The market goes up and down, but people like Bernie Madoff, he, I don't remember the number, but it was something really good. Say, we'll say 8% gain every year. He would say if the market's up 30%, you get an 8% return. If the market's down 30%, you get an 8% return. No matter what happens, you will get an 8% return. And you can get your money at any time. He will invest it for you, take care of it for you. So that's the second thing. And that also is present 100% of the time is that he, so he made up fake statements. He made up dummy statements that he would send out to people. He, he wasn't trading anything. 
they were just making it look like it. And if people got statements and it said you had this much money and if they wanted their money back, well, he would just pay it out from new people putting their money in. As long as a big number of people didn't want their money taken out at one time, his system would be fine, which makes me think of the fractional reserve banking system that we have around the world. I was going to say in America, but around the world where banks, uh, they loan out a portion of the money that's in their bank and the rest of it, they invest. Or I'm sorry, I said that backwards. So you put your money in the bank and they invest a good portion of it and they only have to keep a little bit on hand and they do loan out money and that's how they make some money. They're using your money to make more than they're paying you. So back in the day, if it was 3%, they're probably making 5 6 7% on your money, wherever that may be. And if everybody wanted their money all at once, they would not be able to pay it, but this is allowed and it's kind of the same thing. But when the financial crisis hit in 08, everybody wanted their money. Bernie didn't have the money because he spent it on God knows what and where. I hope he got uh I hope it was worth it and I hope he rots in hell because he he ruined a lot of people's lives and there was nothing that could be done because the money was gone. He spent some people had their entire life savings with him and he just blew it. Gone, gone, knew what he was doing a hundred percent. So I'm not getting off on a tangent here. That was the second one is that the stated returns are consistently great and they almost seem too good to be true. Uh, box number three, check bark, check bark, bark, boy, check mark. So number three, the investing strategy is flashy, murky, or too complicated for an advisor to explain so you understand it. This is a big one. Investing should be straightforward and easy. Granted, people aren't going to understand everything, but the way they do it is they make it extremely complicated so that even some of the most knowledgeable and stoic investors would not be able to fully grasp or comprehend or understand. But then again, those type of people would, that's not the target. His target is people that obviously don't know any better, which will get on to number five. So that's number three is the investing strategy is really flashy or they'll just, it's too complicated for you to understand how it works. Number four is the advisor promotes themselves as an exclusive club or distracts you with bling or other connections, none of which have anything to do with investing. Now, this one made me laugh because the profile picture of the quote unquote person that contacted me on Twitter was a younger man. He was kind of crouched down in front of what looked like a Rolls Royce. He had on a big, looked like a Breitling, a, a bling bling Breitling. It was a, a blingy watch. First, and it was uh, up in front into the picture. So you could see it. You focused on the watch. Chains, gold chains, just look like somebody showing off their money. So kind of wanted to give you that thing like, look at me, I'm young. I trade Bitcoin. I got all this extra money. I just buy these golden stuff, these cars, these flashy flash. And that that reminded me of that. So that box was checked. Number five, last and number five is you hire the advisor based on the recommendation and didn't do any real due diligence yourself. 
told con artists hate anyone who does any real due diligence and avoid them. That is a big one, and that can go for almost anything, but especially how would I do due diligence on this person that they they have a website? Well, that's great. Yeah, we have a website. It's guaranteed, man. You just give us $250 minimum. That was the minimum amount. But he said, I recommend you send me $1,000 and I'll get you $3,000 back in a week or two, whatever it was. Just ridiculous, ridiculous amounts. So number five, definitely that check the box. So they're all important, but basically number one is the most important. And any one of those by themselves is definitely not an indictment, but Again, number one and number two were present in 100% of the times that the advisor has custody, has sole custody of your assets, and the stated returns are always great. The the balance that they show you, the statements they give you are constantly out of this world, knocked it out of the park every quarter, every year, whatever it is. Those two are always present. So if number one is is there, uh, I would recommend getting your money back as soon as possible. And then if you were going to put your money in further, which they should give it back to you, whatever the agreements were, hopefully you can get it back is that I would do my due diligence and investigate the hell out of that and ask, why are you in sole custody of my assets? Just something to keep in mind, kind of an interesting thing that happened. I told the guy, yeah, I, I don't, I was trying to be nice about it, but he was real pushy. He was real pushy saying, well, you don't like making money. What's the matter with you? You know, I'm trying to make you real easy. You just send me a few, you know, 250 bucks. I'll get you 700 bucks in a couple of weeks. It's that easy. So that just, you know, I, I, it's sad that people fall for that, but it, it's on, it goes out there. And if you're hearing this, just remember that, that if, if they have sole custody of your assets, that, and like he stated, the returns were just amazing. You know, that's, that's something to, okay, thanks a lot. And then he get the gall to tell me that, well, let other people know, because if you don't want to make money, somebody else, you know, is going to want to make money. Yeah, great. I can get somebody that I know into your Ponzi scheme. That'll go over real well when they lose everything that they've given you. Or, or what they could do actually is they'll give them that money back the first time. And then they rope you in and say, holy crap, look, I gave them a thousand bucks. Now I got 3000. Well, I'll just give a couple thousand more. Let's really get it up. And then all of a sudden <laughs> website's gone. Ah, we lost your money. What are you going to do? And that's, uh, that's interesting. But speaking of Bitcoin, so because he wanted me to trade Bitcoin and I didn't want to do it with him, I bought myself some more Bitcoin because a very interesting thing is going on when the stocks fell on Monday, this is right. Today's Tuesday. So when stocks fell yesterday, I Bitcoin stayed pretty much, it went up a little bit, I think. So the market fell a couple percentage points and Bitcoin was going up and it's continued going up today. It's been in a little bit of an uptrend here. And I'm a little worried that people are going to be, so I, I bought a little bit more. I don't have too much, but I want enough Bitcoin that if this thing does become the currency of the future that the whole world uses, then I want to have enough that I will be set. But if Bitcoin goes away tomorrow, if I wake up tomorrow morning and Bitcoin no longer exists, yeah, 
you know, it's a little bit of money gone, but it's not going to wipe me out by, I, I, I don't even think I have 1% of my net worth in there. It's probably more like half a percent even. So I could probably put a little bit more in there. I think I'm going to wait for a pullback because it's gone up a, a considerable amount. So I would expect some people to be taking profit and sell off. So there could be a cooling off period where prices come down here just a little bit, just a little bit. I'm going to have some bubbly get in the dry mouth. Uh, no music, actually. I'm doing an episode with no music. I'll tell you about that in just a second. Wonderful. Yeah, I took a poll on Twitter, and the vast majority of people said they do not like background music when listening to podcasts or YouTube videos. So let's do it. We're going to do several episodes here with just me, just you, just me, just my voice, and just your ears. That's right. Where was I? Bitcoin. So I did buy Bitcoin. I want to have a little bit more. I, I probably need more. It's looking good so far. I think it might be here to stay. Hard to tell because as we see with the automobile, there were lots of automobiles around in the beginning days. A lot of them didn't make it. And there is an old saying that says the pioneers get the arrows, but the settlers get the land, meaning that the first people that went out into the Native American lands here in the United States they had to fight with the Indians and they got the arrows. It was really rough. They paved the way for the settlers who got the land. So we'll see if Bitcoin is a pioneer that is also the settler. And I want to have some, just enough. I think everybody should have some. Uh, there are several places like, well, Coinbase is, is the main one, I think. There are several others that you can use, but everybody, I think, should have some Bitcoin even if it's $100, $50, I think everybody should have just a little bit because you never know if it does go to, as some people predicted, a million dollars a coin. You want to have some of that action. So even $100 would be a pretty pretty nice uh, payday on that if you were to sell it. But I, I do think that we could potentially be seeing Bitcoin decoupling from the equity markets, which is several weeks ago what I talked to you about that the next time stocks crash, are people going to sell off the cryptos as well? Don't know, but there was a, a small microcosm of that yesterday and Bitcoin unfazed. It went up a little bit. So that was very encouraging to see. So much so that yours truly bought just a little bit more Bitcoin. And I also did buy Ripple. So I have three cryptos. I own Bitcoin. I own Ripple. And I am a new owner as of Sunday night, Saturday night, of uh, Stellar Lumens, uh, ticker symbol XLM, Ripple is XRP, and Bitcoin is BTC. Should have wrote those down. I didn't have to stumble. Yeah. So Ripple, what is it? I, I took a few notes for you. It's In a nutshell, Ripple is trying to facilitate cross-border payments put it this way, in the old days, or I guess the old days is today, if you wanted to send money, you would give a friend a password, you would go to the bank, they would contact the bank that the money was going to be transferred to, they would have to verify and say, okay, the person that's in front of you, they need the password. And if they have the password, 
then release the funds to them. And then that was like an IOU. And then the banks would settle up that ledger later on, but the person you were sending money to would get the money. So basically that can take a lot of time. It could take days to process between banks and lending institutions. What Ripple wants to do is Ripple wants to make that lightning quick and just make it almost instantaneous is the, so basically they will be the middleman between the middlemen of people exchanging money and especially exchanging money cross currency, cross borders. And I think it's a really cool idea. It's a for-profit organization. It's different than Bitcoin. So yes, it is also a cryptocurrency in and of itself, which I guess is it's tied to the structure of what they do, the value of it. And it's I think that's that's fascinating. Uh, a couple notes here is that they um, well, I, I pretty much told you everything about it, but it supports all the fiat currencies like dollars, euros, yen. Uh, they will even support, yes, Bitcoin, gold, and frequent flyer miles, which is really cool that you can be doing. So it's not a competitor with Bitcoin, like I said. And they uh, they want to be a middleman. That is what Ripple does. They want to make people want to use your banking system for lightning quick transactions. And then one above that <clears throat> is uh, Stellar Lumens. Stellar Lumens is like Ripple, but it's between users and not lending institutions or banking institutions. They copied the Ripple code when they started. They've made some changes in 2015 or 16, I believe. So this is all new to me and I'm still learning it and I may be wrong on some of that. If I am, let me know on Twitter at RustyRam78, please. I think it's fascinating and I want to have some. I'm kicking myself. I had a chance to buy some Bitcoins when it was right around $1,000 a coin and I went with gold instead because I remember telling my wife I was on the fence between gold and Bitcoin because I love the idea of it. But I said, it's not pegged to anything. The only thing that gives it value is people wanting it. And it needs electricity to work. If the world lost electricity right now, people would still have a use for gold and want gold. But if you don't have electricity, you don't have cryptocurrency. But I don't know if we're ever going to see a period where we don't have electricity around the world. I think it's here to stay. And I like having some of both. So that's not an investment advice. That's just something I'm doing is I am buying those three. I like those three. That's where I'm pegging those three to be the winners, hopefully. Real quick here. Real quick. We'll let it run over uh, if I have to. I see on my little timer here, I got 23 minutes in. So the way it's working on Anchor is when I hit 30 minutes, it'll stop recording. But I can record another chunk of 30 minutes right after that. It's just there's going to be a little bit of a breakup. So if we hear that, we run into it. Bear with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my do my man Mike a solid, and I am going to uh, go a little over. Apologies for the, the uh, stuffy nose. It, winter here is all of a sudden in Chicago. Yesterday and today it snowed. It's been cold. I work outside. You know, sometimes that that differentiating between going into the hot and the cold, vacillating between the two environments. 
and it messes with your sinuses. But hey, now you know a little bit about me, <laughs> a little bit more about me, whether you wanted to or not. And we're going to talk real quick here. Easily, easy buys, only two buys this week. I did have a little bit of cash left over from last week. I got more coming in. Uh, help is on the way. The cavalry's coming in, but it takes a day. Depending on what I put it in, could be a day and a half to get into Schwab to hit that. It's not like Robin Hood where they immediate. It's like uh, crack cocaine on Robin Hood. They they'll spot you the money right away. But Schwab, now nah, they they do it right. It's it's good because if you run out of money, you ha- you basically have to sleep on it, which is something I put in my book that you can find on my Twitter or on Dapper Dividends. Uh, no, it's not on Dapper Dividends. Go to RustyRam78 on Twitter. I still have some copies left for a dollar. Uh, it's on Amazon, but that's full price on Amazon there. I was able to put it on for a buck on Gumroad, which you can send to your Kindle. Plug is over on my book of life. Brief thoughts on life, love, and investing. A lot of good stuff in there, plus some interesting information on dividend growth investing. I don't remember where I was. I was saying something interesting, something really important. I don't know. Anyway, so I bought one share of Johnson and Joe. Oh, Charles Schwab. Now I remember. Aha. Very, very good. I'm excited to see Borat too. Uh, Maybe I'll watch that this weekend. Because Schwab takes a day to get your money in, you basically have to sleep on it. And as I've told my kids and put in my book, before you make any major decision, sleep on it. Whatever you want to buy. If you're ready to buy something on Amazon, put it in the cart, go to sleep, wake up, think of it in the morning if you still want it. A lot of times when that initial burst of of energy of wanting to buy something wears off, it will be uh, a different feeling in the morning sometimes or in the next day. So that's good. I had enough to buy a share of Johnson and Johnson at $142.99 for a 2.83% dividend yield. Something I did in my last YouTube video with Kimberly Clark is I talked about the interest coverage ratio. There are so many indicators and ratios. You really can't get lost in the weeds. So I like to focus on important ones. And this is one that I will quickly check, and I probably should have mentioned it before, the interest coverage ratio. So basically, the way that that works, for every dollar of interest uh, expense that you have, there are X amount of operating income to cover it. The number that a lot of people and experts look at is two. So initially they would like to see $2 of operating income to cover every $1 of interest expense. Benjamin Graham, the famed investor, had that at five. He wanted to see $5 coverage for every $1 of interest expense. Johnson & Johnson is $11.41, 11.41. So for every $1 of interest expense that Johnson & I'm sorry, not Johnson & Johnson, Pepsi for every $1 of interest expense that Pepsi has, they have $11.41 of operating income. Easy. It gives you wiggle room. The reason you don't want to be about two or, or three is if interest rates rise, if something happens, if you hit a, a rough patch, if there's a, a down cycle, 
and you don't want to run into a situation where the company does not have enough uh, operating income to cover the interest expense. So anything over five gives you a little bit of breathing room. Pepsi, $11.41. And then I bought a share of Johnson & Johnson at, uh, I already said Johnson & Johnson. I screwed myself up here, everybody. I'm only, I'm only human. Uh, song from the 80s, Human League, I think. Human by Human League. I'll have to look that up. So that one share of Johnson & Johnson at $142.99, their interest coverage ratio is $129.57. That is outstanding. That is why they are one of my till death do us part stocks. For every $1 of interest expense J&J has, they have $129.57 of operating income to cover it. That is an obscene amount of wiggle room. And Pepsi was $11.41 of interest coverage ratio. I got to take a break here. We're going to get right back to it. On the other side, I'm going to tell you about a stock that does have red flags for me, uh, tying into a Twitter thread that I saw about, would you rather invest in, if you had to pick two, would you rather invest in TMO, so AT&T, Altria, Iron Mountain or IBM. So I'll come right back for you. We were talking about the interest coverage ratio of Johnson and Johnson and Pepsi. Pepsi at $11.41, Johnson and Johnson an insane and super solid $129.57. You know that they are not going to have a situation, especially Johnson & Johnson, where they are going to need to dilute shares or they're going to have to go further into debt in order to pay the dividend. So the interest, if it's too high, that is one thing that can definitely affect the dividend. As a dividend growth investor, that's something I absolutely look at. Simple way to do it, to find that out, to not have to do the calculations yourself, go to Google, type in J&J interest coverage ratio hit search. And the one I like to look at is Guru Focus. It'll be one of the top two, maybe the top one, one of the top three results. Click on it. They're going to show you to the day the exact interest coverage ratio that they have. And again, if a company is over five, that's probably the lowest you want to go. I'll, I'll side with Ben, old Benny Graham on that one. But anything else uh, under that, forget it. But when companies like J&J, you see $129 to cover every $1, I mean, for Christ, forget about it. So out of that, that example, I did reply to Mr. At Business Famous on Twitter that I would go with AT&T and Altria. AT&T at a low payout ratio. They can definitely cover their debt. They're paying down their debt. They raise their dividend uh, a penny a year. They're going to be able to pay that. And Altria, they do have a 80% uh, free cash flow payout ratio, but that's par for the course for them. They have always paid out a high ratio. They don't want to keep a lot of cash around. That's just the way they do it. That's the way that Altria does it. So I'm not worried about Altria one bit. 
The one I didn't want was Iron Mountain. I wasn't too familiar with Iron Mountain, but they had a 9% yield. So the whole idea of the thread was these four companies have a high yield. Which two would you want? So I just wanted to talk really quick about Iron Mountain. Now, their interest coverage ratio is 1.74. That's scary. That is scary low. That means for every dollar of interest expense, Iron Mountain has $1.74 of operating income to cover it. That's leaving them not a lot of wiggle room. That's something you don't want to see. That is a big red flag to me. And then the next thing is their net margin is 4.82%. Not too high for every $100. So I screwed myself up. (laughs) I didn't. I was trying to think of how I want to say this is a case of my brain moving too fast and my wife saying, slow it down. You're talking too fast. So I don't think you want to hear me talk like this. That's uh, NPR radio voice. I don't want to talk like that. So their net margin is $4.82 for every $100 that comes in. They're keeping $4.82, 4.82%. You want to see net margins around 10%. That's, that's usually very good. Now, some historically like grocers, have a lower net margin, but it's very safe. Companies like Kroger, I think, are around 2 2 to 3% net margin. But you don't have to worry about that because they're not that cyclical because we need food. People are always, no matter the weather, the economy, people are going to be going to Kroger and buy food because if we don't buy food, we die. So if you have a product or a service that people need or else they're going to die, that's pretty much uh, non-cyclical. And companies like Kroger can get away with that. But companies like Iron Mountain with the data storage, yeah, not so much. Uh, if we hit a rough patch, people can uh, figure out other data storage and document destruction and whatever else they do. So their uh, net margin is bad. Their ICR, their interest coverage ratio is really bad. They're, let's look at their dividend payout ratio. 107% of their uh, the trailing 12 months, that's earnings, 107% of earnings. No bueno. 112% of the, uh, the, the total year estimates. Not good, 112%. Really bad. Next year, a little better. They estimate that it'll be 97%, which is really awful. So an improvement to really awful should tell you something. And my favorite, the free cash flow payout ratio, which is the one that I use. For me, that's the gold standard, the free cash flow payout ratio. That means that's the cash that they're left over with to pay it out. It is 76% of the free cash flow. I 75% is the absolute maximum upper limit unless you are Altria because that is their MO. Get it? Their MO. So funny joke there. Funny guy. That's uh, that's Iron Mountain in a nutshell. I would not. Uh, oh, one more note about them. Something I wanted to talk to you about before I check off here is their beta. I noticed was 0.76. So the beta, if you remember, that's when the market, if the market <clears throat> goes up a dollar, then Iron Mountain would go up 76 cents. 
If the market drops a dollar, Iron Mountain is only dropping 76 cents. So low beta means low risk or low volatility, so they say. But the better way to think of that is that is what it was. It is not a measure of volatile. It's not a measure of volatility. It is volatility measured, period, measured past. They don't know what's going to happen in the future. It does not tell you that the next time the market goes up a dollar, this will only go up 76 cents because there are lots of other factors. And if it craters in price, just that stock, then guess what? The beta is going to go up. So remember that. As they say, they don't say that past performance is not a guarantee of future results for nothing because it's true. The axiom is true. We don't know what's going to happen. I believe it was Warren Buffett, the great oracle, who says there's a reason why the rear view mirror is so small and the windshield is so big because you need to see what's coming in the road ahead and what's past does not tell you exactly what's going to happen in the road ahead. That's uh, that's my, my take on Iron Mountain. If you have Iron Mountain, ticker symbol IRM, I would do your due diligence and Consider if you want to be in this, if their dividend is sustainable, if that's what you hold it for. And that's that. So we're going to do my song of the show. I, I'm kind of glad I, I did a little experiment with my YouTube video where I played a social distortion song. And a lot of people said they don't care about music videos. I, I actually asked uh, for some honest comments and a few people said they would check out and get out of here. So speaking of music, I am going to potentially tonight, but tomorrow for sure, do my music episode. I'm going to do a Halloween theme. All this, I like a lot of spooky music, horror punk, and I could do probably a 10 hour show on all the spooky, scary, dark uh, ish music that I I listen to and I like, but I'm going to do one with all the Halloween related Halloween spirit time uh, music that I like, and it will be only available as I understand it on Spotify or anchor because I will using all the songs pulled off of Spotify. So definitely check that out. I will post on Twitter. I'm going to put it on this, my Dapper Dividend. So all of you will be alerted when that comes out. And that is what We're going to do my song for the show tonight is one of those bands and a song I'm going to play is Dig Up Her Bones by The Misfits. This is a group that came out in the late 70s, broke up in the early 80s. Glenn Danzig, you may be familiar with, went on to be a solo artist, had a famous song, Mother. Uh, That's the one song by him everybody knows. As far as the world is concerned, Glenn Danzig is a one-hit wonder. Mother, tell your children not to look my way. <laughs> Mother. It's it's fun. Everybody sings it. It's a great late-night bar song that everybody can just sing about and rock out to. So this is the band he left. They broke up. They got back together in the mid-90s and put out a few albums with a new singer that I was a fan of, Michael Graves. Great song, Dig Up Her Bones. My kids love this song. Very fun, very fast, shorter songs they they put out. You can find that on YouTube. If you go to Dapper Dividends playlist, you'll find all the songs for every 
episode I do, they're on there just in order. You can check them out, listen to them. And this song reminds me of when I was in the Navy. This album came out right when I got to Virginia in January of 1997. Long time ago. I can't believe how fast time flies. Talking about near and long-term investing. Man, this life goes quick. I plan on living to 100 years old. I'm 42 now. 52, 62, 20 years from now is really going to go by fast. The world is going by faster as the older I get. Trying to enjoy it, having some fun here, doing the show for all y'all. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know any, let me know any suggestions, comments you have. And this was a fun song. It reminds me of my time as I hit the microphone being in Virginia, I was a 20-year-old kid uh, in in the Navy. And no, actually in 1997, when this came out, I was 18 until April of 97, I turned 19. So when this came out, I was still an 18-year-old young punk, stars in his eyes, in the Navy, doing my time. And it was a good just a fun time. I remember I had a CD Walkman. Not a lot of you kids will remember what a Walkman is. And I played, I had to carry around spare batteries because I would listen to that thing so much riding the bus uh, in the beginning days there before I really made friends and people felt you out. Because when you go in and you're 18 and you're amongst a bunch of men and people that have been around for a long time, it's kind of hard to get in with people, especially when you're 18 and and the bulk of other people are 22, 25, 28 takes a minute. So the first several months I was in the Navy, I did a lot of riding the buses, a lot of seeing movies by myself. It sucked, but it's kind of like doing your, they were doing their due diligence to make sure I was cool. And then surely, but I got invited to hang out with the guys to a party and they feel you out. That's the way it goes. There's feeling out because if you're a lunatic or I don't know, I don't know what to say. They feel you out, make sure you're cool, make sure you're fine. And then you start making friends and they bring you out more uh, off base. This is not on base. So obviously off of the naval base there in Norfolk, Virginia, we would go to Hampton Roads. They would sneak me into bars and whatnot. A lot of crazy times. Uh, being an 18, 19-year-old kid running around Virginia with some of the guys, just having fun. I'm having fun. It's just a different kind of fun at a different stage in my life. And wherever you are, I hope you're having fun. And I want to thank you for listening to me ramble on here. And I don't know what else to say, but I'm going to end it. My throat's going to collapse in on itself like a black star or a black hole. A black hole? How about a black star in a black hole? Wow, that'll warp your mind. That'll bend your mind right around the old poles, huh? All righty, guys, girls, whoever you are, wherever you are, whenever you may be listening, I'll talk to you on Friday.